Welcome back to another OU Football Podcast. My name is Joe Bettner, and joining me today is noted NFL undrafted free agent, Tyler Palmatier. Tyler, how are you? I just need an opportunity. I'm good. I'm good, Joe. How are you? Uh, you know, I'm good. It was a good weekend, was it not? We had sports. NFL draft was on. Last dance Man, was had, on. We had great weather. It was you perfect know? weather. Yeah, we've had a string of days where it's just... I mean, I know it's hard to get out, but man, a couple of the days I've been able to get out, it's just been so nice. Um, kind of re reacquainting myself with a couple of my, my golf irons, my golf clubs, um, going across the field, across the street for me and just sort of hacking away. Um, but yeah, it was just, it's just been awesome weather. We haven't got very much wind until right now, Monday, as we're, as we're recording, it's insane out there. It's crazy how good a weather it's been, and it just kind of came at like such poor time because all I wanted to do this weekend was watch the NFL draft, but just because it was obviously for us, we were waiting on a few guys to get drafted as far as like putting out content and whatnot for the transcript, but it was just an intriguing draft, and the fact that it was so unique this year, everyone was working remotely. Did you enjoy this format? Because I think I might like this better than the usual format that they use live and in person. I, I didn't have any big problems with it. I mean, I thought they did a great job uh, pulling it off, you know, with the exception of, you know, I know they've ESPN's gotten a lot of blowback, you know, about sort part of the draft is always highlighting some of the difficulties these guys go through, but without the, the pre-draft access, due to the shutdowns and the virus, you know, they haven't been able to run down as many of those stories. I, we all, we've all kind of talked about it, just how sort of just seemed insensitive the way they would include a family tragedy in a player's bio. And I think that's something that was a glaring kind of misstep for ESPN. Otherwise, like I had no problem with it. I I don't love it better than the regular format. I, I love watching the guys stand up and I like watching what suits they get and seeing them live with their family at the event. And, uh, there's just, the, the coverage is a little bit more in depth. You get a little bit better reporting, getting the, there's just an in-person feel, you know, when you can cover it in person for ESPN, not for us. Cause we're obviously not there, but for what we do, we're, you know, we're all just kind of keeping track of this from home. We're generally not at the draft in person. I thought it was fine. And I actually loved having a draft to, to cover and to watch because it seemed like the first live event that's happened um, since the shutdowns, it just felt like something was happening and you could kind of, you could kind of forget, you know, the way everything's changed. I was going to say the, the numbers on the NFL draft were just bonkers as far as the amount of viewership they had and they spread it out across ESPN, ABC and NFL network. I think that was a big help, but you could really feel a moment as far as on Twitter that everyone was interacting about this draft and reacting to stuff. I do agree with you. It's cool to see the guys at the actual event in their suits, reacting, getting to hug the commissioner and all of that is great. I just thought it was a really cool format as far as, you know, you get to see probably more guys than usual with their families because it felt like even when you got into the later rounds, you got to see those. I know you usually get to see some of them throughout the draft because they this isn't a new thing of them setting up a webcam or anything like that in a potential draft picks house. But I thought it was a really cool thing. 
the weird one was the fact that it starts on Thursday and Joe Burrow, I think pretty much knew that he was going to be a Cincinnati Bengal unless there was a last minute trade. Not too many trades in this draft, but his reaction was just a little bit, you know, subdued and probably a a result of him kind of knowing that he's going to go to Cincinnati all this time. But a lot of it, though, was really cool to see. And I enjoy just kind of it went chalk there for a little bit, but then kind of where our interest as far as people who cover OU football that's where it felt like the draft got interesting because when it gets into that range where we thought CD Lamb might go, that's when kind of the draft became super interesting as far as teams and who they were taking. And CD Lamb fell a little bit. I'm curious, just were you surprised at all or were you kind of maybe expecting that like this might happen? Because I was, I'm going to be honest, like I thought for sure CD Lamb was going to be wide receiver number one going into this thing. Yeah. It- it's hard to it's, it's a hard thing to figure out the games that get played before the draft but based on what um all the you know the real experts had said the analysts he he appeared to be the the number one receiver um so i was surprised that he didn't go uh it was but then you know in a in a draft class that deep what are you going to do i mean it, those guys in a lot of ways did seem interchangeable uh, he may have seemed like the top receiver in the week leading up to but I think when you have a class that deep and a lot of those guys, I don't want to say they're interchangeable, but that's, you know, it could be a coin flip. Um, you know, when you get down to a couple, I mean, you just can't miss with, with any of the top three or four. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of interesting to watch lamb slide a little bit and then, um, go to Dallas, which is big, um, for, for a lot of people that follow Oklahoma because they're, uh, also, Cowboys fans and it was fun to watch that conversation take place and then of course just Lamb's viral moment with um, Crimson Rose I mean it's like if you're Lamb you feel so bad for him because the like how many viral moments can happen uh, during a virtual draft and I, I guess we kind of found out more than you would think you know with uh, with the Titans and the, the, the draft room that they had set up on the first day and then, uh, you know, CD snatching that phone. I mean, I don't know. It just it never ceases to amaze me what can happen uh, once things hit the Internet and once things hit television, because I kind of went into it thinking, well, how could, how exciting could this really be? Like, how much unexpected could there really be? And then we saw Bill Belichick's dog sitting in his chair and, uh, you know, Zach Taylor's war room compared to Cliff Kingsbury's. You know, Zach Taylor looked like he was in the the spare bedroom at his aunt's place. And Cliff Kingsbury is like high on the hog with Camelback Mountain in the background and what looked to be a small football field uh, outside his room. I don't know. Do you know what photo I'm talking about? Oh, yes. That was yeah, yeah. A beautiful, beautiful. What photo. was that, like a combine style testing area for him? It. I don't know what it was. I, I saw someone mention that it looked like... Maybe it's like a chipping range for Holly Saunders. Possibly. Someone mentioned that it looked like Ryan Gosling's house in... Uh, was it Crazy Stupid Love? Um, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. Never seen it. Never seen it. Just thought it was a bit on the nose uh, to be, you know, mimicking your celebrity doppelganger. Although I guess Cliff is kind of a celebrity in his own way. I did think it was interesting you bringing up Cliff and whatnot. It got me thinking just as far as 
how CD managed to fall down the draft board. You look at number eight, the Cardinals are on the clock and Isaiah Simmons from Clemson, the linebacker is available. And it was just kind of a no brainer. It wasn't a big need for them. Uh, as far as like what I've read, I'm not, not a draft expert by any means, but just kind of like doing some half-assed research. It was, you know, not a big need for them, but neither was wide receiver for the Cowboys. So you just sometimes take the best player available. And Isaiah Simmons there really, I think, kind of opened the door for CD to fall a little bit because then you had Cleveland who was trying to get protection from Baker Mayfield um, and gets the offensive tackle from Alabama. And then the Jets go with an offensive tackle who I thought I thought for sure CD was going to go number 11, but then they went offensive tackle to get protection for Sam Darnold. And then Oakland passes up on CD. Uh, the Broncos pass up on CD. And it's just crazy how it turned out because, as you mentioned, there's so many OU fans that are also Cowboy fans. And it does feel like the Cowboys have a way of finding Sooners in the draft. Jerry Jones really likes his OU guys. And... There's obviously a lot of jokes to be made that, you know, this is just opening the door for Lincoln Riley to be the Dallas Cowboys coach. Although, you know, didn't get it this past offseason, but just it would be something if, you know, a few years from now, if Lincoln Riley actually did take the Dallas Cowboy job, which don't see that happening right now, just as far as them getting Mike McCarthy. But CeeDee Lamb going number 17 to the Dallas Cowboys, once again, not a big need for them, but as they had mentioned, it was one of their top prospects on their board. I think they had him number six overall as their, as, as their, uh, on their prospect list. And that offense, I mean, if, if you're going to really like CD is probably not going to feel much different going from what offenses he was at OU to where he's with the Cowboys, because I mean, that's like a team that's going to put up a lot of points. The, I, I like. I, I know that they they kind of address some defensive needs. Uh, obviously, they got Neville Gallimore later in the draft, but that's going to be a fun team to watch. You have to think that, like, you know, you've you've got Ezekiel Elliott, you've got Amari Cooper, Ceedee Lamb, Dak Prescott. You know, whether you like him or not, you know, he still is capable of putting up big numbers. Um, that's going to be a team. I mean, as weird as it is living in the Oklahoma city market and you get a lot of Browns games, you get some Cardinal games here and there that don't make sense sometimes, but obviously Kyler Murray being on the team helps, but you know, you, you get a team that is going to be in the Oklahoma city market every weekend, you know, for sure you're going to get a Cowboy game and there's going to be a lot of tension on them. I mean, I, I, is CD Lamb like the the difference maker between Dallas Cowboys being a Super Bowl contender? Probably not, but like that's that's going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, and people do have a tendency to to gravitate toward NFL teams after they draft a, a really popular college player, and uh, I think CD Lamb was he had to, he had to contend with some really popular players at OU, but I don't know that. I mean, it's everybody clearly enjoyed watching him, but like, I don't know that his popularity as a sooner is, uh, it is, it's a little bit underrated, I think sometimes. Um, and I always, and it's kind of lame, but I always judge the players popularity when they announce the starters at home games based on the crowd cheer that they get back. I don't know if that's, I mean, that's probably not totally fair, but also like it, it means something at the same time. 
um, you know, people were like <clears throat> excited for Hertz, but lamb and last year always got the loudest cheers. And, uh, I think that, I mean, I just think it's kind of for the Cowboys to get a guy like that. And a lot of people can just, you know, it just increases maybe some of the fan interest around them. I mean, they're America's team. They're going to have interest no matter what lamb's not going to lamb's involvement. Isn't going to change that. Um, but yeah, it's cool. It's kind of like the, when a, when a guy from uh, Oklahoma goes to the Cowboys, it's, it's kind of like a local product playing for the local team. I mean, because a lot of them are from Texas anyways. And, um, a lot of guys that play for OU. So it's, it's just, uh, that's a neat thing. Uh, Neville Gallimore doesn't fit that mold. He's from Canada, but um, yeah, it's neat that they get to uh, kind of stick around a, a region that they're familiar with, a, an organization that has a lot of attention. You know, that's not anything. That's not anything new to them. They're kind of used to the frenzy being around OU. So, um, I think more than just where these guys go. I mean, it, the, the the situations matter to them. I think it's just fun to watch guys that have have done it the right way kind of reach a reach their goal and that sounds cheesy but i always forget about that uh things like the draft day and signing day and height for high schools oh i I always kind of dread because it's a it's kind of a lot of normally it's kind of a lot of legwork there's a lot of build up to it and then um it's something I feel like some writers don't enjoy covering. I kind of get a little bit of that dread until I get to those days. And then I'm like, I enjoy watching them enjoy the moment. Like Kenneth Murray, you know, the reaction side, his living room was awesome. Um, I think what he did in his final season at OU is, is nothing short of amazing. Um, I know the guy started forever, but let me take you back to this, Joe in 2018, um, it, Murray didn't record a tackle against Florida Atlantic. Um, zero tackles. Do you remember this? I do. I, everyone thought that Kenneth Murray like was kind of done. They're just like, oh well, I guess uh, guess he's not good after all. There was a lot of Kenneth Murray slander on the on the Twitter sphere. Yeah, and obviously brought himself back from that with better performances. I mean, however you want to categorize the army game that season, you know, there were going to be a lot of tackles made because of the style army played, but you know, Kenneth Murray to, to play, to be on the field that long and do what he did. I mean, 2018 still wasn't his best season. I think everybody was waiting for that this year. Um, and, but just to see somebody go out and do it and put it all together is it just, is satisfying, especially at a time like this right now where times are tough for a lot of people. It's just fun to watch guys have their work pay off. And Marquise Brown last year, that was so enjoyable to watch. You know, we all know he came from just the humblest of beginnings. So that's the kind of stuff that uh, I've kind of gone out of left field. I went from the Cowboys to this, but that's, I guess, back to my original point. I like watching the guys just reach a moment and it is cool to see where they go. And it's you, obviously the fit in these organizations is critical to their future. Uh, but I think in the day or so around the draft, I'm more just kind of like the enjoyment I get out of is just watching them, uh, you know, get to the next phase of their lives. It's a really cool deal. And I think that you bring up fit. This was a really good situation for CD lamb and Neville Gallimore more to really step into because I think the thought was it would be really great for CD 
if he gets to go to Arizona and learn under, you know, Larry Fitzgerald and gets to have Kyler Murray as his quarterback, who obviously has a, a lot of chemistry with. I think it's also really helpful for Neville Gallimore, who a guy that we probably hear so much mixed reviews about. I think there is a lot of potential for him to be a really good player in the NFL. He's got the athletic he's got the athleticism to to really be that and I think he's got a lot of raw talent that maybe ha- wasn't tapped into as as much as it maybe could have been at Oklahoma. Um but he's going to go to Dallas and he's going to get to, you know, play under Gerald McCoy, who, you know, what what more perfect of a mentor could you ask for as a young defensive lineman who's trying to build a long NFL career? And so you've got to like the fact that Neville Gallimore is going to have that. And then CeeDee Lamb, though, I think the one thing that, you know, people talk about with the Cowboys not going defense in the first round and maybe it was a little bit, you know, grasping at the shiny object for Jerry Jones, seeing CeeDee Lamb there, but... I, I just think that he was the best prospect on the board at that point. You kind of got to take him. Um, but also, I think the one thing that's really going to be- benefit CD, and I think this has really benefited him when he was at Oklahoma in 2017 and 2018, is he had some time to like be the guy in spurts. He didn't have to be that immediately, and he's not going to have to be that in Dallas immediately. There's not going to be all the attention on him as to where if he was in a situation like uh, just like, I don't, I don't know what, it, the, what situation that would have been, but I'm just saying like, he's not going to have to step in and, you know, immediately be the, the top receiver on the team. He's going to have some help. There's not going to, there's not going to be nearly as much pressure. Um, and I think CD kind of thrived that way. That's why he was able to make such big contributions in 2017 to 2018 is because Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, all NFL guys uh, really took that burden away from him. He didn't need to immediately be a star. So I like that for them. Going back to Kenneth Murray, though, what an absolutely phenomenal story. The thing that really got me that really just, you know, made me happy for him was just, you know, you see, you hear all these good things, you know, I don't think there's really any bad words other than, you know, just like obviously people bring up the 2017 Rose bowl where Kenneth Murray as a true freshman was clearly not ready to be in that moment, but he has come so far and has become such a, you know, obviously just athletically gifted linebacker. Uh, the chargers traded up to get him. The thing that really got me though, is that tweet he sent three years ago where he said, I'm going to be a first round pick in the 2020 NFL draft. And he did it. He accomplished it. And you got to love that. You got to love those stories. Um, yeah, he obviously wasn't like, you know, a a guy that had to come from the Juco ranks. He wasn't a two-star prospect or anything like that, but you still got to like it when you see some of these guys that come through and especially with some of the adversity he had to overcome as being thrown into the fire and, you know, counter to CeeDee Lamb, a lot was expected from Kenneth Murray very early on. So for him to, you know, have that opportunity is really cool. He'll get to go play for the Chargers. Um, which, you know, not a, not a bad thing whatsoever. Being out in Los Angeles, probably probably not a bad place to be quarantining right now. Um, although the weather right now is pretty good in Oklahoma, though that's subject to change, obviously, just about every day. Hourly. Yeah, hourly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really, really excited for those guys. And then obviously there was Jalen Hurts, who we had kind of heard that, you know, Oh, maybe not so much. This was real. It felt 
it felt a lot just kind of like talk because I think we get a lot of Jalen Hurts hype um, around the national media because they don't follow it in. They don't follow OU on a day-to-day basis. I never thought Jalen Hurts was going to be a first-round pick, and he obviously fell fell to the second round. Uh, going to the Eagles, though, I thought that was a strange pick. Am I wrong? Yeah. It, it just felt like so – I mean, like, of all the teams that could have taken him, the Eagles was not one I was expecting. Yeah, I didn't know who was going to pick him. I mean, I, I don't know what anybody's intentions are with him. Um but, you know, he was going to play behind somebody it, 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 no matter what. I mean, I don't think it was a guy that somebody was going to want to come in and try and start maybe even in his, his sophomore campaign in the NFL. But um, I guess I get bringing him in behind somebody like Carson Wentz, who's just a, you you know, kind of a pros over there. I'm stirring up some coffee. Oh, of course you are. Um, yeah. You know me. That doesn't change. Um, but, uh yeah, he doesn't need to come in and do anything right away. He just can sort of learn from a pro's pro and um, and and go from there. And I, I you know, I, I, how team how some team is going to use him is going to be so interesting. I mean, I don't think you draft somebody um, and, and give them that much money and, and draft them that high if you if you don't have a real thought that they can be your, your, your future starting quarterback. So I wonder what people, I really, I wonder what the word is on Hertz. Um, I know that there's questions about accuracy, but you know, I mean, he, he had it, he has shown there is a rate of improvement there that you can follow along with him. Um, I think people at Oklahoma were so used to seeing just pinpoint type throwing from Mayfield and Murray that when they saw some of the things Hertz did, they were, Oh, just aghast, you know, oh my gosh, how dare this, how could this guy take off and run? Well, you know, Lincoln Riley probably saw some flaws that he didn't think he could fix in one season, but I think he fixed some and I'm sure to, I mean, obviously we saw to some degree, you know, Riley probably said, look, these are the throws you can make, uh, to a certain extent. Yeah. Flee the pocket that will score points that way. People cannot defend, you know, so I don't think he did that necessarily, um, you know, he being hurts, you know, being unsettled in the pocket. I don't think he did that all because of his limitations. I think he was given a license to do a lot of that. So I think there were strides that he made in the passing game that were, that deserved to be acknowledged. And I think who knows what can happen, you know, with another year, you just never know. Um, but I, I have, I'm, I'm super intrigued to know people, you know, whatever the experts, the Mel Kuypers and everybody, they all think he's going to be a Taysom Hill where he can just, you know, you can put him almost anywhere and he can just be a great football player for you. Um, or you can put him in situationally as a quarterback and run zone reads and things like that. I, I don't know. Uh, that's for another football mind. That's a lot bigger than mine, but I bet Lincoln Riley has a lot of great ideas for what you could do with Jalen hurts. If you had him for more than just one fall, and I bet if he had him for a little bit longer, you know, you could develop his passing and do a lot of cool things with him in the interim. So I think that I think he's going to be a pretty fun kind of story to keep watching. The thing I struggle with, and you mentioned it, was why take him in the second round if he's just going to be a Taysom Hill type. It just feels like a waste of a pick. It feels like you could have probably taken him later in the draft or traded for him. And especially, 
I think it was weird that Philadelphia went out and got Khalil Tate from Arizona as an undrafted free agent. So I'm not saying that Jalen Hurts' job's in jeopardy. Obviously, he's the draft pick. You know, there's a rookie pay scale. He's going to get a lot of money for being a second-round pick as compared to Khalil Tate. But I think he's going to have to earn his place on that team. He's going to have to earn his role. And I thought the strange thing about him going to Philadelphia was, I mean, you mentioned he'll get to be behind Carson Wentz, but Carson Wentz isn't going anywhere anytime soon. And I thought, you know, a team like Pittsburgh or Indianapolis who has a super veteran quarterback and is going to need maybe a a transitional guy or at least a guy to fill in when, you know, if Big Ben were to get hurt or Phillip Rivers were to get hurt. Not, I mean, you got to have a contingency plan in place because, you know, you just don't know how long those guys are going to be able to hold up. But I just thought it was... You got to have a contingency plan if your quarterback gets decapitated with his own helmet these days. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I I just, I don't know. I I just didn't, I I thought it was odd to, to take him there. It just felt like a a jump the gun kind of moment when I think probably and the other thing and you know one of the one of the beauties of Twitter is just if you're gonna find out really quick what your fan base thinks because once that pick comes out and it's tweeted I mean everyone's there in the replies and Eagle fans did not seem super excited to be taking a quarterback in round two and especially not Jalen Hurts who I mean uh, you know He's got a lot of things going for him. You know, a lot of people mention like you can't dispute the fact that he's won a lot of football games in his career. And I think that's the one thing that keeps getting brought up is that he's a winner and he and everywhere he's went, he has won. And I understand that. But there are just so many red flags with his game as a quarterback. And like you said, Lincoln Riley did not have a whole lot of time to fine tune some of those things for Jalen Hurts. One year was not going to make the difference. I think he turned Jalen Hurts into a guy that can be seen as a second round pick. I th- I think without Lincoln Riley, you know, Jalen Hurts is obviously a day three guy, maybe, maybe not even drafted just would have really fallen out. I think if he didn't have that year to at least show some potential of what he can be as a quarterback at the next level within the correct system that is creative enough to exploit some of the things that Hurts can do. And so a tough, I mean, or not a tough deal, but just like, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts is going to have to go in and, you know, earn his spot, or, you know, earn his place on that in that, in that quarterback room. I don't think there's going to be any issues probably with him as like a, as a leader. I don't know if guys are going to look up to him, you know, as far as like, you know, walking, like we, the whole narrative last spring, if you remember, it felt like all of these guys were in such awe of Jalen Hurts when he stepped in and were just really immediately kind of drawn to his leadership. I don't think that's going to happen for him when he gets to Philadelphia, but I think eventually he could carve him, carve out a role as a backup, like a, you know, a career backup quarterback. I just, I don't know if I see NFL starter in his future and it's going to take a lot of improvement, but I mean, as, as a lot of people have said, Doug Peterson, Philadelphia's head coach, if there's a guy that maybe can, you know, tap into that, it's probably him. Uh, there's a few coaches like that in the NFL, uh, but we'll see what happens with Hertz. It's it's going to be an interesting, like you said, an interesting story to watch. Um, and he could be a good career backup because, yeah. you know, let's say he never really sees the field extensively. Um, is not a bad backup to have. And he's sort of one of those guys, almost like he's, you, 
you just don't have to worry about him. Uh, he's going to be good for your locker room. He's going to be good for your quarterback room on a, even a, you know, smaller scale. And he's sort of one of those guys, imagine grooming your next quarterback, almost like not the same situation, but like a Tyrod Taylor, when Baker Mayfield comes in, like if you draft who you think someone who you think is a star, but you want him to hang, hang out for maybe a season and, get to that level or a little bit, you know, a guy that can just is mature and can really show a younger guy how to act and how to compete and, and handle all that the NFL presents college players. I mean, there's value to, to Hertz and he does deserve, I mean, you deserve, if you're in an organization, you deserve money for that too, to be a, not just a good teammate and a good ambassador, but somebody who can really is in your, is in your organization who can help bring along the, the development for players that are, that are just coming on, just coming aboard from college. So, I mean, I, I, I still think it'll be really fun to watch and see what he does as a player, but I think that's a big part of his value too. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you need like, you need those guys. And I think probably the one thing that people overlook um, in terms of just what separates some of these guys that can stay in the league long enough to be backups. Jalen hurts has, a pretty diverse skill set. He doesn't do a lot of things exceptionally well, or he doesn't do one thing exceptionally well, but he does a lot of things that are good enough to be a game manager. And his running ability is obviously something that not every quarterback has, you know, not to throw a guy like Landry Jones under the bus, but you know, he's a long time NFL quarterback or backup quarterback. Um, and, maybe is still in the NFL if he, you know, had some mobility to do his game, which Landry Jones, you know, God bless his soul, does not have any mobility to his game. Uh, he's just so stiff. But, you know, Hurts is a guy that you can really tinker with, I think. And I thought a place like Pittsburgh or a place, another one that kind of came to mind was like Green Bay, who a team that just like really knows how to use their running backs and fullbacks well or at least the teams that still use fullbacks, but you could really run some interesting, I think, sets with, with Hertz as the quarterback. And, you know, I don't think any teams are going to go to the triple option anytime soon, but he gives you that look that if you need, you know, we, we jokingly coined Hertz and goal. And that is a thing that I think some NFL teams probably would like. It's just not something that everyone can do. And so, um, I, yeah, I don't know if it'll, if it'll pan out and as far as him ever being an NFL starter, but I like the point you made, you need those guys in your locker room that can help hold guys accountable, can be somewhat of a older mentor to younger players, show them the ropes, help them develop. And I think that Jalen hurts as much as, you know, it sometimes is, you never know how genuine he is being just because he doesn't say a whole lot and he's often sarcastic, but I do think there's probably a lot of him that likes being a leader. You know, he obviously it wouldn't be in this, in this racket if he didn't like football, but I, I, I think he likes that notion that he is a undeniable leader and is a guy that is good for your locker room. I think he enjoys that part just from everything that we kind of see portrayed about him I don't think that uh that can be taken lightly but um the NFL draft with it, day three was kind of a obviously a pretty blank day for Oklahoma as far as 
this is, I think, Spencer Davis, the Dallas Morning News, tweeted, this is like the first time since like 03 or 04, OU hasn't had a day three NFL draft pick, um, which is just or around four through seven draft pick. But were, were you surprised that Mal- Parnell Motley didn't get taken? Or I mean, I didn't really think Lee Morris or Nick Basquin were going to get selected. Just it's such a deep receiver class. But were you a little bit uh, just kind of like checking your clock, waiting to see like, well, is this ever going to happen with, with Parnell? I think that could have gone either way. I wasn't totally surprised he didn't get picked, but yeah, it was, he was close enough that, you know, I was definitely sitting watching the tracker right up until, you know, the last pick because uh, I think it was, he was definitely, he was so borderline, um, which I think if you're at that point, if you're that borderline, it really isn't that big of a deal if you don't get picked. I mean, at least you have a little bit of control over where you're going next, possibly. Um, if you're an undrafted free agent and uh, I, I mean, I wasn't surprised. I wouldn't have been surprised if he would have been picked either. Um, I think if he, as long as he keeps uh, trending the way he did this past season, I think he'll get his chance. Uh, I think he had a really good year, um, but I was dis- I was disappointed for him. I mean, I, I know players want to see their name called no matter what, and uh, it's so much of this whole grind for them is is realizing that dream. They, maybe they don't care about signing as an undrafted free agent, maybe having a little bit of a choice. I mean, we also don't know exactly what Parnell Motley's choices were. So um, it would have – I felt bad for him because I have, I have just personally, at covering him, had come to enjoy listening to, to Parnell talk. And um, he was always really refreshing with his, his honesty and uh, – his openness um, because he was a guy here that just went through so many struggles on field, you know, and, and by, by hearing Lincoln Riley talk about it, you know, th- he never had an off field incident that really caught, co- I mean, that was costly for his career or resulted in um, suspensions or, you know, public suspensions or anything like that. But it sounds like he was still dealing with things along the way that were distractions off the field. Um, so he comes from, uh, uh, you know, a hard upbringing, a, uh, uh, what, I don't know what you want to call it. It's more than humble beginnings. I think, I mean, he was in a, you know, he grew, he was basically an at risk type youth who based on where he was, where he grew up, um, was dangerous. And so it's just, I don't like that for him because I wish it'd be, it'd be cool for a guy like that to get picked. But again, that doesn't necessarily matter. He could be, he could still find his place. Um, I hope he, and I hope he does, but no, nah, I mean, I wasn't surprised he didn't get picked. I think that the potential was out there for that to happen. For sure. It, it felt like that it was for a lot of guys from, you know, we talk about a loaded receiver class, but also a lot of defensive backs felt like we're taking in this, this year. And so it kind of didn't look great. Kind of looking at some of the, the rankings as far as like, or positional rankings, you know, there's just, it's crowded. And he landed somewhere, so that's good. Uh, I don't believe, as we are recording this Monday afternoon, Lee Morris or Nick Basquin have signed undrafted free agent deals. This is just a really tough year for those dudes that are kind of in the middle where, you know, you're trying to find your next, you know, or you're trying to find a landing spot. And it's just tough right now because there was 
those two had pro days, but there's just a lot of uncertainty with somehow the NFL franchises weren't able to scout as well as they probably would have liked, or at least didn't have as much access. And then I don't know if rookie camp is going to happen. Like, I mean, I don't know how much you're going to see, you know, NFL practices throughout the summer. And so that's also kind of hurting a lot of these guys. And I wonder if it kind of shrinks some of these, you know, off season rosters a little bit. Um, but you hope guys like Basquin and Morris kind of, you know, it's funny, like, you know, a lot of these guys that were taken this year from Oklahoma were just such high character, you know, people and really enjoyable to cover. And, you know, I know it can kind of come off and I kind of like looking around Twitter because it really, you know, I'm sure it kind of feels this way sometimes with the, with the OUB, it can sometimes feel a little bit Homer-ish. But we really, though, you beat has been very blessed to have a lot of like, you know, guys that are very easy to work with in terms of, you know, uh, answering questions and being candid. Um, it makes our jobs, you know, a thousand times easier when you have a guy like Kenneth Murray or Parnell Motley or CeeDee Lamb who can just speak openly about things and not shy away from it. Obviously, there's, you know, we've uh, on this podcast had some pushback with Jalen Hurts and just, you know, kind of the way that he's handled some things. Uh, but, you know, you root for some of those guys that, you know, handle all this well. Nick Basquin was one of them. Um, never really talked much to Lee Morris, but I'm surprised that the Arizona Cardinals haven't picked him up. I just feel like if he is in a system with Kyler Murray, he's going to be an all he's going to be a you know five time Pro Bowl receiver um, if that were to happen. But. Um, well, I don't. I did see a local media report about that, and I actually retweeted it. But the Cardinals just announced they're undrafted free agents, and Lee Morris isn't isn't on there. So, um, I mean, I, I I thought initially, wow, how cool is that? And it does make sense because he's got you know some some history there. But um, it doesn't appear that that's happened. So we'll see what happens with Lee Morris and certainly Nick Basquin too. Both, both really cool stories. I hope, I hope something could happen with both those guys. Um, because, you know, obviously, I mean, they've just seen their share of kind of, I don't know, ups and downs. I mean, just, you know, basically kind of just overlooked type talents. I mean, guys that probably could have had scholarships um, from day one who had to, who had to work their way into that role. So, uh, yeah, I hope they both catch on with somebody, but at least as of now, as we are recording on Monday, April 27th, I have not seen anything on those guys. Any other thoughts from the NFL draft, even if it's not related to OU? I'm curious if you had any other takeaways. Uh, no, I mean, it was, I think if you're the big 12 and I mean, the SEC had a big, you know, chest beating type weekend with all the guys they had taken that conference had taken. Um, there's still that, there's still a big gap. I mean, that's just, there's no other way to look at it. There's a big gap in the pro level talent between the sec and other conferences. And I guess you can maybe, uh, attach Clemson to that. They've kind of been getting sec type talent there, but you know, that's got to change. I think if you're, a big 12 team or you've got to, you know, big 12 schools have got to figure out how to get, you know, more of those, uh, high level NFL pick type players, uh, if they want to change this disparity. And I mean, not just the big 12, I guess pac 12 has got to do its part too. But I mean, that jumped out at me, LSU getting 
14 guys picked tends to jump out. I mean, kind of, um, validates the, the year they had. Um, and you know, they, every, that makes a lot of sense to me. Now I look back and think about watching them in the peach bowl. I mean, they, that did look like a team with 14 draft picks on it. Um, just, I'm not trying to take anything away from LSU, but I did think that, uh, over a two hour teleconference that NFL networks, uh, Daniel Jeremiah had, uh, a week or two ago. And he talked about some of the players that might get affected by not having a pro day or getting invited to the NFL combine and how Mm -hmm. it's going to at least help a lot of the players that come from high profile programs. And I'm not saying that, you know, LSU only been, or like some of the guys only got drafted because they played at LSU. But I do think that, you know, when you look at it, LSU had all of the airtime in the world and there's probably so much tape on some of these uh, guys. It it was a little bit weird that uh, Randy Moss's kid didn't get picked. Um, Yeah. I thought he was a guy that might get taken, taken late, but just kind of a loaded receiver class. And, Obviously, like maybe my perception's a little bit skewed just because of what he was able to do to OU's defense, which you know wasn't the the best in that Peach Bowl. Uh, but no, it was really impressive. And LSU, Alabama, Alabama not having a defensive first round pick was kind of crazy. They, I believe OU. Uh, someone tweeted like, "Who had OU and TCU having a defensive draft pick before Alabama uh, on, on Thursday night?" And so. LSU and Alabama just really cleaned up. Uh, and you mentioned Clemson just had a, had a really good draft. And I mean, those teams are only going to get better, man. It's I mean, those, the, uh, I, I feel like LSU probably uh, won't have 14 or however many guys it was, you know, that, that might be a, a program record, but man, they were just, they were stout. They were, that wasn't, it felt, it did really feel like a, uh, just like we're gonna look back on that Peach Bowl and think like, wow, there were this many like NFL guys on that team on that field. Yeah, it, it was. It, it tied a national record, so it's, a, it's certainly a program record. Um, yeah, and it's just you got to close that gap at some point. I mean, if you don't close it, you got to figure out a way to, you know, beat those teams with lesser lesser players. There's nothing wrong with the talent OU's getting necessarily offensively. I mean, maybe the one thing they've you know, they had a home run hitting type running back in Rodney Anderson, who, you know, a lot of what he was going to do is kind of lost in the fact that he was hurt so much, but, uh, there's really, you can't argue with those results. And we all kind of know where this conversation's going. It's, it's defensive guys, um, that, that can get picked up, um, and uh, in the NFL and do well. So is that not insane yeah, that, though about the <clears throat> 2017 offense? Ten guys from that offense have been drafted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, it is. That is incredible. And like, I know a lot of people, like a lot of the replies are like, "How oh, did they not win a national championship?" But you know, we all know how bad that defense was. But that's just insane that ten of those guys, and one of them being Kyler Murray, who was the backup that year. But still, mm-hmm. it just it's it's insane. Yeah. No, I mean that's not going to help. That little. It's just funny how that little that nugget of info, which is pretty fascinating has come back to haunt, you know, OU fans who I think just the disappointment of that game that just lingers for them because it was, you know, the defense was so bad. They're so close to winning and it's such a, you know, what an awesome game. If you're a fan to have kind of in your, your mental scrapbook 
of your school, you know, winning that Rose bowl against Georgia and pro, you know, a lot of people just think that that Oklahoma team wins the national championship. If they can get, if they can get past that game. Uh, yeah, it is. It's, I mean, it's not a bad thing to have that much success on offense, but I just think that's so, that's just so illustrative of the, the, um, the disparity that OU's had offensively and defensively. And, you know, that, that there has to be some balance restored there. Not, not saying you got to make it 50, 50, you know, you don't need to water down your offense to bring your defense up, but you do have to uh, change that disparity in talent level between the two sides of the ball. Um, I don't think that helped OU fans get over the Rose Bowl loss any worse. Or I don't think that helped them get over the Rose Bowl loss by hearing that fact, but it was still, yeah, pretty impressive. And I don't care how many championships you have, you know, you've put together quite an offense when you've done that. So, um, still impressive. If you want to talk about a win for the OU defense, and this is just the petty side of OU Twitter coming out, but a lot of people were a little bit happy to see that Kenneth Murray went much higher than one Jacob Phillips of LSU, who. I think went third, fourth round, something like that. And that was kind of the the big prospect that, and hopefully no one from Sooner Scoop, Kerry Murdoch, Eddie Radosvich aren't listening right now because I know it's kind of a triggering thing. Uh, if one were to go all the way to Jacob Phillips's commitment uh, ceremony um, and him choose not to go with OU, despite all reports leaning that way. Uh, but that was kind of the, in 2017, that was you know one of the guys that it seemed like OU was going to get did not get him, ended up with Kenneth Murray. Worked out pretty well, I think, for both sides. Um, and, you know, you've got a pretty great ambassador in Kenneth Murray. If there, if there's going to be a guy, and you kind of saw, uh, I, I know you were at Big 12 Media Days last year. I don't know if you were around Kenneth Murray uh, when he kind of threw, well, not kind of, he threw a lot of shade at the University of Texas. Uh but if, there, if there's a guy that you can be very happy having an ambassador for your university, your program, a guy that's going to do kind of the things that I think that Gerald McCoy has kind of done as far as like being a big time name in the NFL while also doing a lot of things to promote his alma mater. I think Kenneth Murray is going to be that dude for Oklahoma. I mean, he's I feel like he's going to be a part of a lot of promotional stuff, you know, whenever we get football back. And so that'll be. You know, I, I, I just see that coming for, for Kenneth. I, I think that the university is going to hopefully, or, you know, it, it hopes to incorporate him in a lot of ways once, uh, you know, once he's kind of solidified himself even more, uh, if he does become, I guess, a, a Pro Bowl linebacker, you know. But anyway, uh, NFL draft, the, the only thing I was going to mention was just like, it was so strange uh, going into this draft with some of the quarterbacks and, you know, uh, Tua Tagovailoa going to Miami. I just wanted to quickly point out. Uh, just I feel you can so still bad. say that last name. I can still say it. I I just wanted to point out just the quarterbacks. It was kind of strange. You know, you thought Jake Fromm might go somewhere, and he eventually gets picked up. It was kind of late, but Tua Tagovailoa goes to Miami. I just wanted to say I feel so not super terribly bad because he's probably made quite a bit of money and he's you know getting to be an NFL quarterback, but. What what a terrible luck for Josh Rosen, just going from like getting drafted super high to the Cardinals. The next year they bring in Kyler Murray, and now he you know he gets traded to Miami. He he's presumably you know gonna be someone that they hopefully can develop into 
you know, a star NFL quarterback and then they go and take Tua with the number five pick. Just terrible, just just unfortunate situations for him is all I wanted to say. Um, but you yeah, know. if you just look at photos of Josh Rosen's face, he sort of perpetually always looks pissed off. <laughs> and I, you know, now just his, his situation kind of it fits that. Um, I mean, it kind of sucks for him, but I, what, what do you do? I don't, I don't really know why. <laughs> I mean, there's got to be reasons keeps happening to him. <laughs> I mean, uh, he's I mean, not that it, good. <laughs> I think that's yeah, kind of the message. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, it just, it does, it's unfortunate, but, uh, hopefully stashing away some of that cash. I, I'm going to, you know, I won't feel bad for him too long. He's, um, I think he's going to be okay. Speaking of uh, pissed off where I was not surprised in the least that Jalen hurts had zero reaction to being drafted, just kind of sat there and looked like he had just lost to, to LSU by 30 points. Just did not look like he cared at all that he got drafted. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Uh, well, it came in a text group. I don't know who sent the video and where it, initi- it originated, but, um, you know, during his, his pre his post draft zoom call with reporters at some point, you know, the Philadelphia media, East coast media in general, but Philadelphia media, you know, it's kind of on par almost with like New York. They're just not going to let you wiggle out of any questions. And at some point, some reporter made note that he was quote abating questions. Um, just painfully awkward there. So, but also typical Jalen hurts on draft. night. I would not expect anything less. Like you're, you've basically been drafted to be a backup. There's a clear cut starter in front of you for a long time. Like, what are you going to say? Uh, I'm going to, I can't wait to get to Philadelphia and, and kick everyone's ass. I mean, that's not necessarily what he's about. So yeah, he's going to say, I'm going to play to win the day. Main thing, the main thing, uh, for some of the other hurtsisms, I've tried to forget them, but he didn't have what did you have one? Oh no. I was just going to say like, I, I, it also, I, I was good to kind of play into that just, it did feel like this year there was more not not negative talk, but just like there felt like the analysis they held less punches in terms of just like yeah this guy might be good, but he's probably going to be a backup. And they kind of the the people on AB, I was watching on ABC. I don't know if it was. Oh, so did you? I didn't watch any of that. I I was gonna say I wasn't sure if it was a uniform broadcast or not, but like the ABC had all of the college football guys, and yeah, yeah. they were just you know being very candid and saying, you know, just like, you know, he, he might be a good NFL quarterback, but there's a lot of issues. And I think that probably played a little bit. Uh, maybe, I don't know how delayed that reaction was, but I would assume that might play a little bit into just his overall mood. If he's, you know, just got drafted and I think, he, he's hearing people saying, you know, like he might be good, but may, probably not. Yeah, well, you have to. I think at some point he had a little bit bigger of a reaction than maybe what we saw in um, one of those clips. But also, yeah, I don't. I doubt. I bet once you get the call, I don't know how closely you're watching the broadcast anymore at that point. I mean, if it were me, I would get the call and I'd be like, "We don't need this television on anymore." Like you have so many duties that they're rushed off to. You know, I mean, there's calls. I mean, just your career begins. So. I doubt that he's really listened to Kirk Herbstreet and, and Reese Davis at that point, but I understand. And that. also if he did, he probably wouldn't care. I, I mean, guess, it's just not a guy that I guess I, I bring it up because I'd never thought about the fact that like 
I think it was Bill Simmons on a podcast recently talking like he likes to talk about his days on the ESPN NBA draft broadcast and how like it was kind of awkward if like anyone talked negatively about a, like a guy because like it's it's their night like it's their big moment and you don't want to like completely crap on the kid um and so it felt like this year with the just the format of the draft it felt like analysts kind of not being in a big room where the entire audience can hear what you're saying or at least like they're not present in the same room with you um it felt like they took more liberties to be more i guess critical of some of the prospects that's all i was getting at yeah yeah which is you know uh, i don't know i mean i think fans drive the draft uh, and they're, that's what they're interested in. What's what's the real deal? I don't see anything wrong with that. Just, with just calling laptop? it straight. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm double laptoping up here. <laughs> I don't know. That's how I watch the draft. Um, but, you know, give fans that they, they drive interest in the draft. They're the ones that made it the, the highest rated uh, this last one, you know, ever. So I think they deserve some honest analysis. It is about those guys night. Yes. I mean, you can do it tastefully. I think ESPN's job to kind of strike the balance. That's why they get paid, you know, the ESPN bucks to, to figure that out. So, you know, um, what's not tasteful talking about kids as parents is dying. Just some, like in a fun fact graphic. Yeah. Anyway. I, <laughs> yeah. No, they screwed that up. They, I, it, they screwed that up. There was some like so we talked about this earlier, obviously, and I'm not trying to like go too much into it. I did want to say because I, I don't think I mentioned it earlier, T. Higgins had one of the bigger ones where like in his like little like get to know T. Higgins, like the last one was about his mother, you know, fighting drug addiction, and he put on Twitter that he was like I'm proud of my mom, and that he didn't really mind that it was on that graphic. It just felt distasteful. But it just flippant is flippant is the word I would. You use. put I mean, it really well. A lot of them. Yeah. Well, just you can't just, you know, somebody's a, a tragedy is not just is not a, a, a trivial bullet point. It's just not. It's a big story. It's important. And when you, you know, you just don't write that in a, a like it's a bullet point in somebody's life. Um, and just tack it onto the bottom and then, you know, and four bullets above it, you're talking about the time he set a school record for tackles. You just can't, that's not what that is. It's, uh, there's a lot of things wrong with it. It's okay to assure people and, and tell their story, but you can't just include that. You can't just drop personal bits of information with no context without telling the whole story. It's not fair. It's not fair to people. Um, it's not fair to those, the, the people who, who lived it. Um, and that's what bothered me. And I think it bothered uh, a lot of people. And I, I kind of saw people locally talking about, it. I didn't realize so many people were railing against it. Um, but yeah, I was just, they, they got to revisit that. I don't remember it being that bad in the past. I really don't. Do you? No, I, I mean, was it just cause it was virtual and they just, that's what they did. I, I honestly think that they really boosted it this year because it was so much harder for them to do certain things that kind of go with the regular routine of an NFL draft that you kind of had to find ways to basically fill up airtime, fill up the screen Mm -hmm. with something. And they just kind of, I think the, what was it? Someone from ESPN put out that, you know, they were just trying to, you know, show like a human side of some of these guys. It just like, 
I don't know. This night's about football. You, you know, I just, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to say stick to sports or anything like that, but just, it just felt. No, it, we know it's, a, we know what, the, you know, that they're, ESPN making that point just makes them seem really makes, I mean, what do they think we are idiots? You know, most of us know that that's important. We love those human stories and, you know, you can tell those stories, but you can't just, you, it was just distasteful the way they included it on their bios. Yeah. And I just, I, and you know, like, and it, it's the same if you mention it too, it's the same when Trey Wingo's like, and yes, and he came from, uh, you know, saw saw a triple homicide at, at ten years old. I mean, you don't need to even explain it like that, Flipline. That does nothing for us. That does not do anything. You know, when you tell that story well and uh, thoroughly, and we get to really understand it, and we get to all experience it, and it's uh, and we have a better understanding of what happened. That's we people do like that. It does nothing to just hear somebody mention it like it's a. Uh, you know, like it's just something in the media guide. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And but I, I'm going to be fair here. I mean, nobody from ESPN is listening, but like they did do a good job. I we, thought we of incorporating. Sure. Well, I mean, if you are, I, I mean, uh, hello, I'll take your best offer. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so I thought the things they did well um, were they started off the broadcast really, you know, addressing kind of where we're at in society with COVID and, and all that, like, you know, COVID had a presence, the, the uh, crisis had a presence just sort of to, you know, to give some perspective here that there's something way bigger than the NFL draft happening. Uh, and then I thought, you know, they did raise a lot of money um, for relief and um, they had some special guest pickers still, which I think they've done in the past, yeah, not pickers. Uh, I used uh, whatever announcing picks. Um, so I, I mean, they didn't fans making picks for teams. <laughs> there you go. Take it. Yeah. seems like sometimes that's what happens. Um, so I mean, it's not like they just botched the draft. I'm not saying they did that. They botched this part of the draft. I mean, it was questionable, but I'm not going as far as saying they screwed up the whole thing. I mean, but this, somebody should have known better than this. I guess I was just like, I was hoping for more, more and more. Like, I feel like this was probably the best draft where you could have, really just gotten off your analysis, gotten off your hot takes. Just can can we make fun of green Bay for a little bit for taking Jordan love? Can we, can we talk about how, you know, Jerry Jones is just on a yacht. I feel like just kind of driving the ship without much, uh, without much, it felt like without much, you know, help, but he, he didn't completely screw up. And, you know, obviously I think him getting CD lamb was, uh, a really good move, but just, you know, I, I was hoping for, I, I guess more, you have all these guys at your disposal. Um, you can kind of control those guys and not control them, but just like you have more control over your, your own talent. Um, there was just, you know, there was some technical difficulties here and there with getting guys interviewed on live TV. There was the, the one thing I really just wish would, would have went away was like, the first time it was funny when kind of Goodell like embraced the booze, but he did it like every pick. And I was just like, okay, we get it. No one likes you. <laughs> like, can we move on please? Uh, but, uh, and the, the, you know, the, the other part of that was like the really just cringy interviews he had with some of the guys that got drafted. Just like, how you, how you feeling right now? Just like, I'm, I'm good. I'm doing good. Just, it must be a pretty big night for you and your family. Like it, it is. It really is. 
all right, well, congratulations on being drafted. Welcome to the NFL. And then they cut to Tom Rinaldi. That was, uh, I don't want to get into it again. Anyway, uh, but yeah, so NFL draft, good time. It, it, it was a lot of fun. Next year, I think, will be obviously not a whole, uh, not as big of a haul, I guess, for Oklahoma, or I guess matriculating guys to the NFL draft. Next year could be a little bit different, I think, um, with some of the guys they got coming out. Um, is there anyone in particular that you see is like, uh, getting, I guess maybe first round looks or are you even thinking that far ahead right now? I think you can start looking. I mean, um, Ronnie Perkins is going to be ready for the NFL pretty soon. Um, you know, how many games he gets to play next year when, whenever that year is, uh, I mean, it will, will determine some things for him. I mean, he could probably use a full season to prove that. Um, you know, Ronnie Perkins stands out. There's guys who could make big strides and, and get picked. Uh, the ones that jump out at me. I mean, Creed Humphrey. I mean, he'll be a high, relatively high pick, especially certainly for an offensive lineman. Um, you know, Ramondre Stevenson could be a guy that says, you know, he's kind of wrapped up in the, the uncertainty around those suspensions. So if he comes back um, and gets to play a little bit, <clears throat> I mean, he might have a decision to make. He may decide, I don't want to, I don't want to stay here and, and do any more college. I'm ready to try and go to the NFL. I mean, he's, that's a looks NFL ready physically, uh, but it'll be uh, in, in barring any sort of big, um, developments you know it's good it'll be kind of a uh, a weaker draft for OU I think just because of the youth and you know they're sort of back building now um there's a lot of real talent on the team but you know what how there's not gonna be that it's not like it's gonna be a packed draft for them but yeah I mean the, the suspension thing for Perkins is a big deal and also you know it's so hard to focus on because let's say they play a football season next spring just to make sure they play safely and whatever. Let's just hypothetically say they play in the spring. What, what does happen to the draft? The draft will take place. Does it get moved? Uh, it, there are just so many factors. Uh, kind of as Skip Johnson said, this thing's an onion. There are so many layers. I have no, you know, it's just hard to say uh, when football takes place. And then when you throw in somebody like Perkins where there's a suspension, I mean, like, he may not even be able to play a full season. Well, now they may play a shortened season. Well, that's not good for him. If they play a shortened season, that's not good for, for somebody who may be suspended for, you know, four or five games. So it's hard to, and it's hard to wrap your head around college football right now. Um, because of it, you know, we're just waiting to see kind of what happens with society. And that's kind of something I've got to sit down and wrap my head around and really focus on at some point and, and try and just, figure out kind of where the world is again on, on getting, getting college football back because I found myself just tuning it out for a second because it seemed so nobody knew anything. It seems like, yeah, we can come up with a million uh, scenarios for getting football back, but it's just wait. Most of this is wait and see, but um, they're slowly, but surely something's going to round into form. Well, I'm a, I'm, I'm 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 interested to see what happens next year. You said it might be a little bit of a weaker uh, draft class, and just kind of uh, I believe it was Keegan Bruneau of Sooner Wire, and he kind of put out a list of guys and some guys I didn't really even think about being potential NFL guys. He he had Caleb Kelly, Trey Brown, 
both entering. Oh, years. Caleb Kelly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Entering their senior years, Charleston Rambo is one he mentioned. I thought was kind of interesting. Like if he really, I mean, uh, we didn't even kind of outline this, but uh, you know, there's a report there from Sooner Scoop that Jaden Hazelwood might be hurt. Uh, obviously, we don't know how severe it is, or you know, just what his timeline is and when football season will start, but. Charleston Rambo could be in line to be kind of the number one guy and the go-to option if Hazelwood is injured and if Trajan Bridges is out for an extended period of time. It'll really just kind of be him and Theo Weiss as the lead guys. And obviously you've got, you know, some some newcomers and um, you still have Austin Stogner at tight end, but it, it'll be interesting to see if he can really elevate his game. Uh, and then another, I mean, there's... Obviously, I, I feel like one of the toughest things, and you mentioned Creed Humphrey already, but I mean, what offensive linemen are really going to like make their impact this coming season? Can Bill Biedenbow flip a few guys as he's done before into NFL draft picks as far as, you know, I don't know if everyone was really thinking, you know, Cody Ford and Ben Powers, how, you know, high they were going to go or how great they would maybe be at the next level. But, um, you know, he's really, you know, gotten a lot out of some of these guys um and you know if if a guy like Marquise Hayes uh can step up and you know you know be be an NFL draft pick that's only gonna another feather in Bill Beanbow's cap um I'm assuming that Tanner Mordecai will not have a stellar 2020 season and be a draft pick next season so I don't think we're gonna get an Oklahoma quarterback obviously Spencer Rattler couldn't come out uh unless you know Mordecai somehow wins the job and has such an amazing season. He has to go to the NFL. Um, don't foresee that happening, but um, you're right. It might be, it, it might be a little bit weaker in terms of maybe not having a, uh, I, I can see it being weaker from the standpoint. You're probably not going to have a guy like a CD lamb or Kenneth Murray going first round, but I think there's some talent there. Oklahoma probably maybe is more involved on day two and day three um, is what it kind of seems like. Uh, but a lot to, or I think if you're Oklahoma, you probably hope that you're not a t- day two and day three, unless you're talking about guys like Caleb Kelly and like Creed Humphrey's obviously going to go, you know, the expected, but I don't think unless Marquise Hayes is like a, you know, a high pick, I don't think you want too many day two or, you know, well, day two is okay. You don't want any day three guys that are leaving early and getting picked on day three. Probably not. Well, there, there's I mean, I think just, you would there, prefer those guys to come back and maybe become better. There's just a there's quite a few I think seniors, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, um, that could go out. I think this next year, yeah, I'm gonna that yeah. will go out. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I, that's not something I've been uh, super eager to look through the roster and see. But I mean, like Caleb Kelly, for instance, completely slipped my mind. But I mean, uh, he'll be. You know, I would assume a big season from him. He'll get drafted, but I mean, he's got to, he's got to go out and prove it too. I just don't see a whole lot of slam dunk guys that unless they have uh play their way into it are going to go beside Creed's besides Creed Humphrey. I mean, um, Caleb Kelly's a good looking athlete with a good head on his shoulders, but has been hurt and just hasn't just, he's got to go out and have like a Kenneth Murray types year to get drafted. And I mean, Marquise Hayes, um, based on what we've kind of seen from him on the field, he probably has some kind of growing up to do, you know, he's kind of an easily flustered type dude. Um, and you look around the rest of the defense, it's like just guys that could play their way into it. But I mean, I just, 
doesn't seem, I mean, maybe a couple off the offensive line, like an Adrian Ely. Uh, I mean, p- people like that, but um, certainly there's some pedigree there with beaten Bo's group, but I don't know. Uh, seems like a, certainly seems like a light draft year, but I guess we'll just have to see. For sure. Um, one quick thing. We're obviously uh, running long, but a lot to talk about. And that's a good thing for, for us to have this much to really kind of riff on. But uh, it seems like OU is preparing to have classes in the fall, which I don't know if is more of just like a optimism thing. I know you have your theories, um, but if, if obviously the, we're going to see, I think we're going to see a lot within these next few weeks. There's obviously been a lot of just as far as the coronavirus businesses reopening on May 1st, or at least, uh, you know, a lot of the non-essential ones, uh, reopening and obviously the universities would really love, uh, for everything to get back to normal. I just, I'm, I think May is going to tell us a lot once things do open back up. Um, but it seems, it just seems overly optimistic to be making any decisions right now. Yeah. I mean, I like put out a statement saying we're hoping to open the fall. Like, yeah, we, we know you're hoping to open the fall. Like it just felt like a weird thing to put out. Oh, I I don't, well, I don't think that there, I I don't find much real news. Well, Well, there's news value in it, but I don't find real value in those statements. I mean, to me, that is customer retention. There's a huge incoming freshman class that you're trying to assure you're going to have classes for who you want them to commit to you before they can, you know, commit to a community college or something. I mean, I don't blame them for doing it for schools like OU for saying we're going to have we plan on having in-person classes. But I don't see what it means. I think it means is absolutely zero. I mean, if the virus rebounds. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I mean, we, we appear to be on the back end now of this, at least this first wave, but if it were to rebound, completely change. So it's not that big a deal to me that schools are saying we're back in. I don't think as, I mean, certainly if in-person classes would indicate you could have football, but hearing that uh, before may means zero to me. I mean, I think it's customer. They're trying to retain that freshman class and others possibly. I mean, if I were a student and, you know, I've talked about this I and I was a freshman, there's no way I would go to a college campus this, this fall. I mean, there's just no point. You, part of what you pay for your tuition, you know, part of the, the, the fun is that you're on a fully functioning, you know, call in a college world, you know, where you get all those extra you know, things that are, that are unique to the college experience. And you're not getting that in a COVID-19 world. So I would have no problem with people taking a year off or um, enrolling in a community college or something. That's probably what I would do uh, yeah, as it relates to football. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where all that's going to, where all that's headed, but I mean um, a lot of people are saying, you know, yeah, they're going to be ready for school in the fall. So it's not really, they can be prepared, but it's ultimately the, the decision will kind of be made for them. For sure. I'm, you know, I feel bad for, feel bad for the kids that were going to, you know, have their freshman year of college and get to do all that fun stuff. I was, man, I fell down a wild YouTube rabbit hole last night and I ended up on like a montage Ooh. of like the best college football student sections. And it's just like 30 second clip of like all the you know best venues and whatnot. And watching that first off was just kind of therapeutic just to kind of see people together, you know, 
con- you know, convening for a football game. Um, but man, it just, it, it feels so foreign right now to, to, to be, or it just, it feels like not even healthy to think about that, that happening just anytime soon. There's not going to be 80,000 people packed into a stadium anytime soon. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, and it just, what blows my mind and, and not, it just seems so hard to wrap your head around it is every corner of the nation is dealing with something different. And I don't know how you get everybody on the same page for a season that way. Uh, so I would guess probably something that's going to come out of this or that should, I think that's a good time to have a central, you know, decision maker or power or commissioner for college football that can make all this uh, a little, maybe a little bit easier in the future if you have to face something like this and who knows what other decisions it'll make easier. Uh, if you have somebody who is, there's like a command, a central command for college football, but I would assume that something like that's going to happen. But um, I don't know how you get a season going. Like, I mean, okay, so let's say Oklahoma and University of Texas are back in in-person classes by fall. Well, how do you how do you have a season if the Pac-12 schools are in a completely different world and then they can't? I mean, it just uh, – I'm not saying – I mean, they could, I'm just saying that could force the season to be later. I'm not saying they'll cancel it. Um, I think there'll be football next year at some point, but – getting it restarted and everybody on the same page. I'm glad I don't have that job. Well, it's clear that, you know, if the PAC 12 can't play football, you know, we should just let them take the year off. You know, let's just <laughs> honestly, I mean, they've sort of been socially distancing from championships for a while. Boom roasted. No, boom I... roasted. But otherwise I hope for a safe and happy return for football. Uh, this theory that, that, writers are rooting for it to not happen is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Oh, it's idiotic. <laughs> like what? If you're still listening to, to this and you're in that camp, I there might be one, there might be one person still listening to this. It's, it's, uh, I've got money on who it is, but I won't say, um, but hi mom. Hey, Hey mom. I was gonna say Kersey actually. Oh, I, I have a listener in front of the pod. Jason Kersey is probably still, still getting through this one. We need to we need to organize some guests. I think we do too. I, I miss my friends. We we should just use the podcast as a platform to talk to people. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of a podcast. I feel like I keep uh, more than ever, and maybe I don't know. It's because of just like what I do and the, this kind of the stuff I search for on Google. But like, I feel like I'm getting more and more ads about like start your own podcast. And I'm wondering if that's like a, not a universal thing, but just like if some of these podcasting apps are like, Hey, you have nothing to do and we have an easy to way for you to make a podcast. Right. Um, so I, I'm curious if that's like a thing that other people are getting. I don't know if you've seen any like that. It might just be the type of stu- stuff I look on Google and Amazon, but um, it, it has felt like there's a lot more ads like that. Yeah. Are well. you getting any fun ads? Um, I don't know. Not that I'm, I'm trying to think, not that pop out to me. My spam is out of control. I mean, spam emails I don't, are coming out of the woodwork. Um, you know, I don't know what other, uh, I can't think of any other real ads that I'm, that I'm getting. Uh, you can tell I mean, a lot I think of someone by the ads they get. Yeah. Um, I'm sort of. And I'm just, I'm kind of overcome by the spam. The spam calls also big. They stopped for a while and now they're back. 
So <laughs> they, they kinda, were just like, hey, guys, we got to work. We, we got to shut down operation for a little bit. Kind of like the I don't know if it was a real headline or not. I mean, it could have been fake. So I'm just going to risk being big time hashtag olds here. But uh, was there not a headline that said like Al Qaeda banning travel to Europe because of I think it was ISIS. COVID? Oh, yeah. 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 No, I don't know why I just said Al Qaeda. Yeah. I don't know why I said Al Qaeda. I mean, they're basically the same thing. But yeah, I think it was ISIS banning travel to Europe where they're like, okay, guys, hey, this is not safe. Okay. You're going to work from home. We're going to terrorize the world from home. We will not fly to Europe. If, if you if you have some drone work you can do safely, do it. Otherwise, stay at home. If you're not set we up on Slack you... yet, contact IT immediately. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't know, man. But, um, yeah, it'll be, uh, honestly, I hope they all die in quarantine. America, baby. America. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, before we get out of here, I do want to mention uh, to people, Tyler Palmatier is officially a Norman resident. As of last night, he had his first Tara Hamara's experience. Yeah. How did that go? It, it was amazing. Um, got the flautas and fajitas and the uh, queso fundido. All all recommendations from you, except for the flautas. Um and it was, I mean, it was awesome. I mean, it was, I have not been, I know we talked about this a lot, but we had not been eating out that much. Not, but not for any reason other than just, we were getting by cooking and you know, that was fine. I think we all, we got to a point eventually we were just like t- maybe tired of doing dishes and you know, all the cleanup and stuff. So the last two Saturdays or uh Saturday and uh, Sunday we've eaten out. It's been nice. And I, I do feel good about supporting some local business, but yeah. Tara's is, I can't believe it took me this long, but it was so good. Um, different experience from Pepe's. I, and I don't know how to put my finger on it, but um, just really good, really good Mexican food. Well, we're, we are glad to have you aboard. I'll be back. I'll be back. They have a great curbside pickup service, too. Yeah, I was, they have I a good. Really they have a good little system. I because I, I I actually went there last night myself after you had texted me uh, that you were you were thinking about it and I was like you know what I want Taurus too and so I went and they have a if you do if you're craving Tara Hamara's they have a pretty good system right now where you just literally drive up to the front entrance and there's uh they'll come out bring you your food and then they have like a cash register under like a big umbrella. Um, that they just like scan your card and you go on. So pretty cool deal. Pretty cool deal. Yeah. Super easy, super safe. It's, it's well, it's well constructed. Thanks again, everyone for listening to another OU football podcast powered by the Norman transcript. Another OU football podcast is available on all major podcast platforms. So whether you're listening on Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, you should be able to find us. If you do use Apple, we'd appreciate it if you left us a five-star rating and a review. It helps us tremendously and gets the word out about the show. Thank you once again for making us a part of your day, and we'll hope you'll tune in again for the next episode. On behalf of the Transcript Sports staff, my name is Joe Bettner, and we will catch you next time.